0: Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Have you called your mother to tell her happy birthday? You know, her birthday's just around the corner. Yes, every year the Catholic Church celebrates on September 8th, Mary's birthday, the feast of the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And she's our spiritual mother and we should honor her and be so grateful for her motherly intercession for our lives. Mary is awesome. She loves us and does so much for us. But yet some people may wonder, where is this all in the Bible? Does the Bible say anything about Mary being our spiritual mother, that Mary prays for us, that Mary's important for the spiritual life. Well, as we're approaching the Feast of the Birth of Mary, I want to just take a moment to take a look at three little biblical points. I'm going to look at just a short passage in John chapter 19, just a couple verses. I'm going to pull out three biblical points from God's revelation about how Mary isn't just someone there on the side, you know, a nice figure that was important for Jesus, but you know, it doesn't really matter for our spiritual life. No, no, no. She's front row and center. In fact, one of the last things Jesus does before he dies is, is give us his mother Mary as our own spiritual mother so she can pray for us. Uh so important to him. Right before he says, I thirst, he's going to do something that draws attention to the important role Mary plays in our life as Christians. And that's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri. I always like to think about Mary in this time of year around her birth, uh, but especially on this podcast, because I don't know if you know this, the All Things Catholic podcast began the very first episode on the Feast of Mary's birth. In 2017, we launched this podcast, and I I dedicated it to Mary. I asked her intercession for all the future listeners that would encounter this show, and if the Lord wanted this, that it was at service the kingdom, that it would grow and bless many people's lives. So I'm so thankful now that we have thousands and thousands of listeners all over the world that tune in. And uh, for some of you who've been with me since those early days, thank you so much for believing the show and sharing it with others. And I just want to invite all of you, if, if you've been blessed by this show, if you found it spiritually enriching, encouraging, helping deepen your own understanding and living of the Catholic faith, share it with a friend. Would you do that? Like, do you have a friend or family member that you think, wow, they would they would benefit from this? This would deepen their walk with the Lord. Oh, they love apologetics, or they love learning about the virtues, oh, they this would be great to hear about, for them about the spiritual life and the saints. You know, that's what I do. This show's called All Things Catholic, so I, I cover all kinds of things, and I always hear from so many people, they appreciate that the show packs in a lot of meat in in just a short period of time. We usually run the show from about 18 to 22, 23 minutes, and, but I try to pack it in with great wisdom from the Catholic tradition, from Scripture, from the Popes, from the Saints, from the Church's teachings, and and really make it applicable for our lives every day as Christians. So it's All Things Catholic. Please share it with a friend. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to write a review, I've had many people write reviews over the years, and if you haven't had a chance to write a review of the show as we begin the new year of All Things Catholic, take some time, if you wouldn't mind, to write a review for it. I, I I'd be really grateful for that. I want to talk today about Mary here uh, as we're thinking about her and her birth and why is she so important in the Catholic life and so many things we could say about Mary. You all know I talk about Mary periodically on the show, but today I want to zoom in on just three small biblical points, three little data points from Scripture that underscore her role as our spiritual mother. As I mentioned, right before Jesus dies on Good Friday, we read about this in John, Chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, right before he dies, one of the last things he does is he thinks about you and he thinks about me and he thinks about his mother and he entrusts his mother, Mary, to become our spiritual mother. It's incredible, but, but it's not explicit there in the text. You have to understand what John's gospel is doing, and I'm going to just make that really simple for you. You know the scene, I think. There's Mary at the cross, and there's only one of the 12 apostles that stayed with Jesus on Good Friday, and that is St. John, the beloved disciple. And right before Jesus dies, right before he says, it is finished, he, he looks at St. John, and he says to St. John, behold your mother. That's what he says to the beloved disciple behold your mother and on a basic level you know this is the idea of jesus before he dies he has someone take care of his mom that's very touching you know so he wants his best friend to look after his mom that that what a good son he is and i'm, I'm sure that's a part of what's happening here but if you think about all the powerful symbolism everything going on right before jesus dies Every little word is charged with profound meaning, quotes from the Old Testament. And, you know, I doubt it's this passage is there just to tell us, oh, and Jesus is just taking care of some, you know, material things, some human needs here, taking care of his mom. It's I'm sure there's more to it, and and we know that there is. A number of biblical scholars highlight how the beloved disciple is not just the individual Saint John, but the beloved disciple represents the larger group of disciples, all faithful disciples. You see, John's gospel often uses individual characters to represent larger groups. So you might have like Nicodemus, for example, in John chapter 3 is a Pharisee. He's a teacher of the law. He's confused with Jesus. He comes to Jesus at night, symbolizing how he's in the dark. He doesn't get Jesus. And and this man, Nicodemus, is, is an individual, in an, an individual Pharisee, but he represents all the Pharisees who are in the dark about Jesus, confused and opposed to Jesus. So you see how this works? Same thing like the Samaritan woman at the well is one woman that is living a sinful life away from God but encounters Jesus. She is a representative figure. She is an individual person, but she also represents the wider group of people known as the Samaritans who are living in sin and away from God, and Jesus comes to to forgive them and and bring them to, to knowledge of Him as the Savior of the world. So this is how John's gospel works, often using individual characters to represent larger groups. And this character of the beloved disciple is is seen as like the the main disciple, the model disciple. He's the exemplary one. He's the one that's close to Jesus, leaning on his breast at the Last Supper in John 13, 25. Uh, Clearly, he's the one that's there at the cross. Everyone else abandons him. But in John 19, 26, the beloved disciple, he's there following Jesus in the midst of suffering and persecution. He's the first one to get to the tomb in John chapter 20, he's the first one to believe in the risen Christ. He's the first one to go tell others that Jesus has risen from the dead, evangelizing, sharing the gospel message if you will. You know, so so he's he's kind of a, he is an individual, it is Saint John, but he represents all faithful disciples. Disciples who want to stay close to Jesus, who want to follow Jesus all the way to the cross who believe in his resurrection, who tell others about the risen Christ. That's, uh, that's what all disciples are called to do. And this particular one disciple, St. John, is an individual, but in John's gospel, he represents all faithful disciples. So take this into consideration now. Right before Jesus dies, he says to the beloved disciple, Behold your mother. Behold your mother. What's he doing well, on a basic level, Saint John is now going to have Mary as like a, a a mom, and he's going to take care of his mother, of Jesus's mother, as if it's his own. That's on the basic level. But if you understand the symbolism, how John uses individuals to represent larger groups of people, like Nicodemus, the woman of the well, and in this case, the beloved disciple, this this man is representing all of us, faithful disciples. This one beloved disciple represents all who follow Jesus and believe in him. So he's representing you and me, disciples of the Lord today, here in 2022. And so it's as if Jesus is looking at us through this one individual, the beloved disciple, representing all of us and saying to all of us through him, behold your mother. Just imagine Jesus looking you in the eye. If you were there at Calvary, right before he dies and he says, behold your mother, so this is one of the reasons why we, we've we seen, the Catholic tradition has seen Mary playing a very important role in the Christian life. She is our spiritual mother. Behold your mother. John gets Mary as as, as a mom-like figure, but John represents all of us. <laughs> and so we get Mary as a spiritual mother. Now, there's a second passage I want to highlight. And that is a small thing in John 19, verse 27. It says, from that hour, the beloved disciple took her into his own home. I want to highlight two things here. First of all, the beloved disciple took her. If you had your Bible and I was teaching a class, I'd tell you, underline that word took. It's it's the Greek word lambano, which has three shades of meaning. When associated with a physical object, it means like to take something like here, take my water bottle into the other room take my car and put it in the driveway. So I'm taking an object. we moving an object physically, but it also can be associated with a spiritual gift. So the idea of taking, it could also have the connotation of receiving a spiritual gift, receiving something spiritually into one's life. So for example, John chapter one, verse 16 talks about how we receive grace upon grace. So that's not about moving an object physically from one place to the other. It's about receiving something spiritually. So whenever it's associated with a spiritual gift, it's about receiving something interiorly into one's soul. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 22, tells us that Jesus says to the apostles, receive the Holy Spirit. So it's the same word, lumbano, but it's not in the sense of let's take the Holy Spirit and move him into the other room, move him to the other side of the table. (laughs) No, no, it's not like moving a physical object. It's a spiritual gift. And so every time you see this word in John's gospel, lambano used with a spiritual gift, it, it, it implies taking that gift into your soul, receiving it, welcoming it into your soul. Now here's the most amazing part. Are you ready? When, it, when this particular word lambano for take is used with a person, it's used to, to describe welcoming, accepting that person, believing that person. Jesus talks about this. Uh, The Jews in Jerusalem, he says, they don't receive me. In other words, the Jews in Jerusalem don't welcome me. They don't accept me. He he talks about, he who receives anyone I send receives me, John 13, verse 20. If you receive a person, it it means to welcome, to believe, to accept it. So when we see that the beloved disciple took her, Lambano, don't think of this as just like, oh, I, he he took her on a journey to some place. Like he picks up Mary and then moves her to his house. You know, don't think of it as like moving an object. Think of it as it's associated with a person. It's it involves a personal welcoming. Many people in Jerusalem didn't receive Jesus, but those who received the apostles receive Jesus. It's a it's a it's a welcoming of the person, an acceptance of the person, a belief in the person, and that's what the beloved disciple's doing here. He's not just taking Mary physically. The Greek word implies more of a welcoming of Mary. Do you welcome Mary? Do you welcome her into your own heart, into your own soul? Mary's being presented as as like a spiritual gift that we're called to welcome. Jesus, right before he dies, is thinking of us. And he wants to give his mother to us as a great gift so that we can have a relationship with her so she can pray for us. She's not God. She's not the fourth person of the Trinity. We don't worship her, but we are called to be close to her. She's our spiritual mother, just as we're called by the fourth commandment to honor our mother. We're called to honor Mary. So that's why we want to pray to Mary and get to know her better and, and trust things to her. I find more and more, any trouble I have, any project I'm working on, uh, any anything I desire for my kids, I I, I hand it to Mary. I say, Mary, I, I I give you this problem. I don't know how it's all going to work out. And I, and I know my mom up in heaven, my spiritual mother, Mary, is going to take care of it because I want to receive her, lambano her. I don't want to just believe in her, believe the doctrines about Mary and say some prayers out here. No, I want to be like the beloved disciple and lambano, John 19, verse 27. I want to receive her, welcome her into my heart in a relationship with her, to be very close to her. Because as so many saints have taught us from John Paul II to St. Maximilian Kolbe to St. Mother Teresa in our own modern era, if we draw close to Mary, we will draw close to Jesus. Mary leads us to Jesus. If you wanna grow closer to Jesus, if you want your children, your family to grow closer to Jesus, turn to Mary. Last thing I wanna share with you, one last little biblical data point. It's interesting when, when Jesus says to the beloved disciples, he says, behold your mother, but then he turns to Mary. And, and do you remember what he calls her? He doesn't say, hey mom, behold your son. He doesn't call her mom. He doesn't say, hey Mary behold your son. He doesn't use Mary's personal name. He doesn't call her mom. He doesn't call her Mary. Do you remember what he calls her? He calls her woman. Doesn't that seem odd? Can you imagine, you know, you, you, you show up at your house and you to go where you grew up and you're visiting your mom and you say, Hey woman, how's it going? (laughs) You don't talk to your mom that way. It's, it's, it's striking. And, And that's not just our culture today. Even back then, we don't have any evidence in the Jewish tradition of a son calling his mother "woman." A man might call a woman on the street "woman." Jesus calls the woman at the well "woman," or the Cana "woman," woman, you know, other women, but never your mom. No one ever does that except Jesus does it here. He did it at Cana. It's it's these un, most, some of the most unique expressions of woman that we have in the ancient Jewish world. So it tells us Jesus had some kind of woman in mind. And what woman is that? the first woman of the Bible, Eve. Eve is the first woman. She's called woman in the book of Genesis. And there was a great prophecy about this woman. You may know that prophecy from Genesis 3.15, that God prophesied, the first prophecy of the Bible about pointing to the Savior that one day the woman would have a son, an offspring, a descendant, an heir. The, the woman would have a royal descendant that would do what? He would crush the head of the serpent. it was the whole prophecy that right after Adam and Eve fell, they gave into the temptation of the serpent, of the devil, they ate of the tree. God, nevertheless, doesn't abandon his people. He says, nope, I'm going to give you hope. Yes, this was wrong, and there's going to be consequences and suffering, but yet I, I still love you, and I, I'm committed to you, and I have a plan. One day the woman will have a son who will crush the head of the serpent. The woman will have a descendant who will defeat the devil. And what is Jesus calling his mother here, right at the very end, his last words to Mary in scripture? Woman, woman, you are that woman. And I'm that son as I approach my final breath. Here as I die on Calvary, it looks like the humiliation of Jesus. It looks like his great defeat at the hands of the Romans and the chief priests and Caiaphas and Pilate. But Jesus knows, no, this is the beginning of his great victory, his victory over sin and death. Death is not the last word. He's going to rise again and triumph over the devil. This is going to be the devil's great defeat. This is the moment Genesis 3.15 will be fulfilled. The serpent is about to be crushed. And right before Jesus reaches his hour of crushing the serpent there on Calvary, what does he call his mom? Woman. Because Mary is that woman, the woman of Genesis 3.15. She's the woman whose son Jesus is crushing the head of the serpent there on Good Friday. Why do I highlight this one? It's because when we grow grow close to Mary, we have to see Mary is not just our spiritual mother. She's the new Eve she's the woman of genesis 3:15 and she's the one that has the son that defeats the devil that's why mary is often associated with spiritual battle and we we have many spiritual battles that we face in our own life spiritual warfare whether it's out in the culture we're battling a secular age that is persecuting christians opposing us left and right taking so many souls, taking the next generation into so much confusion away from reality, the basic truths about life. They're just being sold a lie. There's a great spiritual battle in the culture. If we want to fight this culture, if we want to fight it with the love of Jesus, we want to bring the truth into the world, we need to draw close to Mary, our spiritual mother, because she's the one whose son crushes the head of the serpent. She's the new Eve. But we have our own. Spiritual battles we fight in our own hearts. We struggle with sin. We struggle, like I mentioned recently, with controlling our emotions. We fall into discouragement, into pride, into envy and competition with others, all these things. And we struggle with these things. And and we want to draw close to Mary because she's not just our spiritual mother who prays for us in a general sense. She is that. That alone is worth it. But she's the new Eve. She's the one, the woman of Genesis 315, whose son defeats the devil. And through Mary's prayers, her her son, Jesus, will fight the spiritual battles out in the culture, will protect our family and our friendships, will protect our church, will protect our own hearts, and will defeat the devil and the demon's influences in our lives. If you want a powerful weapon for spiritual battle, turn to Mary. She's our mother. Take her into your own heart receive her lambano like St. John did, welcome her into your interior life. And you will find that she will be the great new Eve, the great warrior through her prayers and intercession. Her son will defeat the temptations, the devil, the, the discouragement that we face in life. Mary goes before us and she fights for us with her prayers because she's the one closest to Jesus. Her prayers are so powerful. Let's ask everybody to pray for us, but let's certainly draw close to the one that Jesus gave us right before he died. Behold your mother. Take her into your own, Lambano, and let Mary be that woman of Genesis 3.15, the new Eve, who will pray for us. And through her intercession, Christ will fight the battles for us. Hope you enjoyed this little reflection on the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you want to learn more about Mary, I have a number of books about Mary. You can check out my website. But also, for some of you, you may be thinking, you know, some of you may have small groups that you're in. You're in a men's group, a women's group, a Bible study group. Check out my Bible study I have on Mary. It's called Mary, A Biblical Walk with the Blessed Mother. It comes with Ascension Press. You can get DVDs. You can stream it at the Ascension Press website. Go check check that out. It's a, we filmed it in the Holy Land where you get to see all the places where Mary lived from Nazareth to where she gave birth to Jesus at Bethlehem to where she was there with Jesus when he died at Calvary. We got to film at all these amazing locations so you get a, a visual biblical pilgrimage out of it, uh, walking with Mary through the journey of Scripture, and the very places in the Holy Land. So you can check that out. Again, it's called Mary, A Biblical Walk with the Blessed Mother. You can check out my many books, uh, Walking with Mary, Rethinking Mary, Praying the Rosary Like Never Before. If you want to learn more about this particular passage, all of those cover things uh, about that. So you can check those books out. We'll put them in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can reach me at edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless.